Long History The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus Part 1 The Admiral's Instructions Hello everyone and welcome to Long History and we're starting a new document with this episode. Now we've covered the first very historic journey of Columbus across the Atlantic and we've also serialised the second voyage. Now we're on to voyage number three. The first voyage began in 1492 with Columbus crossing the Atlantic and reaching the Caribbean at the location of today's southern Bahamas before heading to the North Cuban coastline and then over to Hispaniola. In Hispaniola, one of his ships was wrecked, so he was forced to leave 39 men in the first European settlement on the Americas in a place he called Navidad on northern Hispaniola. The second journey began in 1493, and this time he led 17 ships. Heading slightly further south, he eventually reached the island of Dominica and then had the first European sightings of the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, before making it back to the settlement of Navidad on northern Hispaniola and finding that it had been devastated. The first document we serialised here on Long History was a journal of the first voyage of Christopher Columbus, which was a kind of a summarised journal of the events, stemming apparently from Columbus's original document which has been lost to time. For the second voyage we looked at a document written by a surgeon called Dr Chanka who had taken part in that voyage. And although that document only really covered the rediscovery of that settlement, Columbus actually stays in the area until 1496, eventually leaving two of his brothers on Hispaniola to look after the settlements that have been set up. Even at this point, Columbus still thinks that he's reached the Far East rather than the Caribbean. So here we've got the third voyage. And this one begins in 1498. But by this time, times have changed. The King and Queen of Spain are apparently now a little bit bored with their new discoveries and although Columbus has stressed their importance and the wealth that's contained in the islands he's discovered, the King and Queen now want proof and in short they want gold. So he had 17 boats on his previous journey but on this one he only has 6 and the apparent remit of this voyage is to discover a large mainland in the area. Until now Christopher Columbus has only seen islands and according to sources from the King of Portugal in particular, there is a mainland in the area. So on this journey, Columbus heads further south than on his previous voyages. Now the source of this document for the third journey is rather strange, and it is in fact a summary of Columbus's original journey, which has also been lost to time. This summary was made by the writer Bartolomé de las Casas, who apparently had access to the original document. So this is actually the nearest we have to a first-hand account of this third journey and it does apparently contain words quoted from Columbus himself and Bartolomé de las Casas can't help but put his own details in this text which do cause a little bit of confusion as we'll see. And we'll begin with the introduction to the 1906 version of this text which we've used here, the introduction being written by Edward Gaylord Byrne. So that was a brief summary of the first two journeys. Let's get on now with the third voyage of Christopher Columbus, part one, the Admiral's instructions. Narrative of the third voyage of Columbus, as contained in Las Casas history. Introduction. The narrative given here of the third voyage of Columbus, in which he discovered the mainland of South America, is taken from the Historia de las Indias of Las Casas. 
In preparing his history, Las Casas had the use of a larger body of Columbus's papers than has come down to us. Among these papers was a journal of this third voyage, which was incorporated in a condensed form by Las Casas in his history, just as he did in the case of the journals of the first and second voyages. This narrative is found in the second volume of the Historia de las Indias, pages 220-317. to 317. The translation is, as is mentioned in the preface to this volume, that given in John Boyd Thatcher's Christopher Columbus, E.G.B. Narrative of the Third Voyage of Columbus, as contained in Las Casas History, May the 30th to August the 31st, 1498. He started then, our first admiral, in the name of the Most Holy Trinity, as he says, and as he was always accustomed to say, from the port of San Lucar de Barrameda, Wednesday, May the 30th, 1498, with the intention of discovering new land not yet discovered, with his six ships, greatly fatigued, he says, with my voyage, since, as I was hoping for some quietude when I left the Indies, I experienced double hardships. They, being the result of the labours, new obstacles and difficulties with which he obtained the funds for his starting upon the expedition, and the annoyances in connection therewith received from the royal officials, and the hindrance and the evil reports the people around about the sovereigns gave concerning the affairs in the Indies. Wherefore, it appeared to him that what he already had done was not sufficient, but that he must renew his labours to gain new credit. And because war had then broken out with France, he had news of a French fleet which was waiting for the Admiral beyond the Cape of St Vincent to capture him. On this account, he decided to steal away, as they say, and make a detour, directing his course straight to the island of Madeira. He arrived at the island of Puerto Santo, Thursday, June the 7th, where he stopped to take wood, water and supplies and to hear mass. And he found all the island disturbed, and all the farms, goods and flocks guarded, fearing that the newcomers might be French. And then that night he left for the island of Madeira and arrived there the following Sunday, June the 10th. He was very well received in the town and with much rejoicing, because he was well known there, having been a citizen thereof during some time. He remained there six days, providing himself fully with water and wood and the other necessities for his journey. Saturday, June the 16th, he left the island of Madeira with his six ships and arrived at the island of Gomera the following Tuesday. At this island, he found a French corsair with a French vessel and two large ships which the corsair had taken from the Castilians. And when the Frenchman saw the six vessels of the Admiral, he left his anchors and one vessel and fled with the other vessel. The Admiral sent a ship after him, and when the six Spaniards who were being carried away on the captured ship saw this ship coming to their aid, they attacked six Frenchmen who were guarding them, and by force they placed them below decks, and thus brought them back. Here in the island of Gomera, the Admiral determined to send three ships directly to the island of Española, so that, 
If he should be detained here, they might give news of him and cheer and console the Christians with the supplies, and principally that they might give joy to his brothers, the Adelantado and Don Diego, who were very desirous of hearing from him. He named Pedro de Arana, a native of Córdoba, as captain of one ship, a very honourable and prudent man whom I knew very well, brother of the mother of Don Ferdinand Columbus, the second son of the admiral, and cousin of that Arana who remained in the fortress with the thirty-eight men whom the admiral on his return found dead. The other captain of the second ship was called Alonso Sanchez de Carvajal, governor of the city of Basea, an honourable gentleman. The third captain of the remaining ship was Juan Antonio Colombo, a Genoese, a relation of the admiral, a very capable and prudent man and one of authority with whom I had frequent conversation. He gave them suitable instructions, in which instructions he ordered that, one week one captain and another week another, each by turns should be captain general of all the ships. As regarded the navigation and the placing of the night lantern, which is a lighted lantern placed in the stern of the ship in order that the other ships may know and follow where the captain guides. He ordered them to go to the west, quarter southwest, for 850 leagues, and told them that then they would arrive at the island of Dominica. From Dominica, they should go west northwest, and they would then reach the island of St. Juan and it would be the southern part of it, because that was the direct way to go to the new Isabella, which now is Santo Domingo. Having passed the island of San Juan, they should leave the island of Mona to the north, and from there they should make for the point of this Española, which he called San Rafael, which now is the Cabo del Engaño, from there to Sauna, which he says makes a good harbour between it and this Española. Seven leagues farther there is another island which is called Santa Catarina, and from there to the New Isabella, which is the port of Santo Domingo, the distance is 25 leagues. And he told the captains that wherever they should arrive and land, they should purchase all that they needed by barter, and that for the little they might give the Indians, although they might be the cannibals who are said to eat human flesh, they would obtain what they wished and the Indians would give them all that they had, and if they should undertake to procure things by force, the Indians would conceal themselves and remain hostile. He says further in the instructions that he was going by the Cape Verde Islands, which he says were called in ancient times Gorgades, or according to others, Hesperides, and that he was going in the name of the Holy Trinity with the intention of navigating to the south of these islands, so as to arrive below the equinoctial line, and to follow the course to the west until this island of Española should lie to the northwest, to see if there are islands or lands. Our Lord, he says, guides me and gives me things which may serve him and the king and queen, our lords, and which may be for the honour of the Christians, for I believe that no one has ever gone this way and that this sea is entirely unknown. And here the Admiral finished his instructions. There are a few intriguing details here. First of all is the narrative which is quite tricky, 
we can see that there's a first person here. For example, we've got a quotation here. He named Pedro de Arana, a native of Cordoba, as captain of one ship, a very honourable and prudent man whom I knew very well. So the I here is Las Casas, the writer of this history. He generally refers to Columbus as the admiral in this text. And Las Casas does sometimes give direct quotes apparently from Columbus himself, such as in that final sentence. Our Lord, he says, guides me and gives me things which may serve him and the king and queen, our lords, which may be for the honour of the Christians. For I believe that no one has ever gone this way and that this sea is entirely unknown. So slightly confusingly here, Las Casas is apparently quoting directly from Columbus. So within that quote is another I, but the I in this case is Columbus. So it's just something to be aware of as we go through this text. It is slightly confusing in this way. We've got a writer writing this history and sometimes quoting Columbus himself. And it's perhaps worth pointing out that this Bartolomé de las Casas, who wrote this text, was also very important in history himself. Not least in his expose of the terrible treatment of the people in this new world by the Spanish. And right at the beginning of this text, there is a hint of Las Casas' views when he discusses the difficulties that Columbus had in getting funds for this third voyage. Las Casas mentions, and I'm quoting here, the evil reports the people around about the sovereigns gave concerning the affairs in the Indies. And Las Casas even here is hinting at the problems that have arisen with the Spanish in this new world and even talking about evil reports. Now another controversy in a different way is that Columbus here goes to Madeira and he explains why it's for fear of somehow coming across some French vessels when the Spanish are now at war with the French. And the intriguing detail here is in this phrase. He was very well received in the town and with much rejoicing because he was well known there having been a citizen thereof during some time. Now this is one of those innocuous seeming phrases that's been the subject of quite a bit of debate because as far as I know there's no other evidence that Columbus spent time on Madeira. On his previous voyages he went straight to the Canary Islands before crossing the Atlantic over to the Americas so it's slightly odd that he should be greeted so warmly here. And this could just be a mistake in Las Casas' text but, and I may be wrong here, there doesn't seem to be definitive proof either way. And just to show how much care has to be taken with such texts, anyone who's paid particular attention in previous episodes of these journeys of Columbus will have noticed that I said that 39 men were left on Hispaniola by Columbus, and here it says 38 men. Of course, it's not the biggest of details, but when there are little questions like this, it does kind of make us ask bigger questions about these texts. So thank you for listening to this, the latest episode of Long History. And this was the first episode of the third voyage of Christopher Columbus. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, please do give it a like in whatever way you can. Don't forget to follow Long History. We've got over 250 episodes available now, which possibly are available on your podcast provider, but they are all available on our website longhistory.net. Thank you everyone. This was The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 1, The Admiral's Instructions. Goodbye.